Okay, our topic is. No, that's Tuesday. Give me the main characters so far. How did Esther get to be in this story? She got chosen because she's pretty. She is beautiful. Not just pretty. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's drop dead beautiful. More pretty than anybody you ever met. Who's the prettiest lady you ever met? When you get married, you only got one question. It's for your wife. Right? <laughs> Book of Esther. Now, tell me what Levi said last week about what happened. Chapter 4 was last week. We're going to be on chapter 5 and 6. What happened last week? Sackcloth and ashes, and what's wrong with that? Remember what was wrong with that? Has to do with the king. He says, None of that around me. I don't want anybody sad around me. I don't want people dragging around in sackcloth and ashes. And so they tell Mordecai, you can't do that. The king doesn't want that. Did he listen? Did it anyway? Right? Did it anyway? And so he gets a little note from Esther. You can't, you got to stop. 
And so they get together, and you know, what does he tell her? It's the most important verse in the whole book. The most important verse in the whole book. Last week, chapter 4, what did he tell her? Chapter 4, verse 14. For thou wast altogether holdeth thy peace at this time, then there be enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Alright, that's a very, very important point. So why is Esther the queen? Answer... Because she's beautiful, right? No. It's not why. The Jews need to be saved. You gotta save the Jews. Right? Otherwise what happened with Hitler is gonna happen a long time before that. They're gonna kill all the Jews and they might have accomplished it. When Hitler didn't. So is it absolutely essential? Why is it essential that you save the Jews? What else? Because Jesus is going to come through the Jewish nation, and Jesus will come. That's why it's important. If you kill all the Jews, what happens? can't have Jesus. They can't kill the Jews. So why was Esther beautiful? Yeah, God said, I want you to be gorgeous because you got something to do for me. And the only way you're going to get to do it is be the most beautiful woman that there is. You're going to have to get hooked up with the king because of your beauty. Alright, and so why is she going to be queen? Because there's a reason, here it is, there's a reason for you to live. Now, for everyone who's sitting here, there's a reason that you are alive. God made you. God put you on this earth. And he's got a reason for you to live. How important do you think it is to find that out? It's more important than anything you ever did or ever going to do. It's more important than going to college unless college helps you figure it out. Not likely. <laughs> it's more important than anything. How much money you have, it means nothing. That's what it means. Why are you on this earth? Why are you here? You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Right? You need to find out why. And when you're younger, it's really hard to know. You get old like me, i got to figure it out by now why I'm here. All right? It took me until I was 33 to figure it out. 33, we started this. When I was 33 years old, we started this church. 
All right, so that's how long it took me to figure it out. And that's what it will take. There's a moment when suddenly you realize why you're alive. What's the reason for you to live? God's reason. For me, I was in my basement throwing wood in my furnace. And I had to make a decision. If I said, I'm going to be the pastor of a new church at East Shelby, here's what it meant. I'm going to give away every weekend for the rest of my life. Every weekend for the rest of my life. And most of the nights of the week, I'm going to give them away too. I'm going to give away every one of them to become a pastor of the church. So that was really the question for me. Are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to do that? And, I was, and everybody said, oh, Eric, you come and be a pastor. It's going to be great. But they didn't have to give away every weekend. But I did. And I had to decide. And finally, I was throwing a piece of wood in my furnace in the basement. And I just said, yep, I'll do it. That was when God and I agreed that I would do it at that moment. There's a moment in your life when you say yes. For Esther, the moment has come. And Mordecai says, there's a reason you're alive. This may be the reason you are alive. So you better get ready. Because your whole life and even your beautiful self is all about saving the Jews. It's the reason you live. So that's the essential part now. There has to be evidence that that's true. Evidence that I was supposed to come here is you. You're all gathered here people over there in the village, people in the church, people in the basement, in the children's classes downstairs. That's all evidence that that's what I was supposed to do. So now, when I'm 65, old buzzard, I can look back and I say, ah, that's what I was supposed to do. It's easier looking back than looking ahead. All right? Esther has this moment. Mordecai says to her, this may be the reason you're alive. That's a very important, this is the whole point of the book, chapter 5. Here we go. Go ahead. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house. Over against the king's house, the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Wow, this is really cool now. This is cool. This king, he's a big shot. He runs the world, okay? But he's pretty cocky. He says, I do what I want. I, my rules are forever. And he's got this golden scepter probably carved gold, 
gorgeous, beautiful thing. So you come in to see the king. He decides, I don't want to see you, so he just sits there. All right. If he decides he wants to see you, he picks it up and reaches it out to you. You touch it. Well, you know what happened if he didn't pick it up? He'd haul you off and kill you. You're dead. If he doesn't hold that scepter out, I don't want to see you. You got a lot of gall coming in here because you got so much gall, you're dead. Bang, you're gone. So Esther, tell me about her. Pretty what? What is she? Would you do it? Would you do that? You got a chance, one chance. You're going to hold your hand out, you're going to do it, yes or no. Would you do it? Hold it out to you, yes or no. You might die or not. Sure. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Most of us would say, I ain't chancing that. That guy's a cranky old man. He may not like me today. He may be in a bad mood. Hold that stick out. I make it. Not, I'm dead. Esther gave her life away that moment. She said, I'm going to go do this thing, and I might die, so this might be the end of my life. All he's got to do is just not pick up his hand, and I'm dead. That's very courageous. That's very courageous. That's very courageous. Most of us haven't got that kind of courage. Let's read on. And the king said unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? It shall be even given to thee to the half of the kingdom. And Esther, Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. And the king said, Ask him to make haste that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee, and what is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom that shall be performed. Esther answered, This is my petition and my request. I have tried favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform it, request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do to tomorrow as the king has said. Then went Haman forth the day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. That means he was mad at him. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called for his friends, and Zidrash his wife. Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. Also with 
Yeah, all this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then said Rush, his wife, and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak thou unto the king, that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go, and thou merrily with the king, unto the banquet, and the thing please him, and cause the gallows to be So, how tall is that? You got to note your margin anywhere? How tall is it? It's about 75 feet high. That's a big gallows. <laughs> That's a real tall one. Why do you think they made it so high? Because I'm going to get rid of that Mordecai. I want him hung high up there so everybody knows that when Haman does something, you don't mess with Haman. I'm sick of this guy not bowing down to me. I'm going to put an end to him because I got an in. Only the king and I were invited to the queen's little feast. And she said, I'm having one, another one tomorrow. Will you both come? So I got it made. I got it made in this jade. I'm in with the king. I'm also in with the queen. And by the way, we'll hang Haman tomorrow. Get rid of him first. Things are going my way. Sure looks like it, doesn't it? Sure looks like it. Except for one little thing. Chapter 6. On that night could not the king sleep and be commanded to bring the book of records of the Chronicles and they were read before the There it is. One little thing happened that changed the course of history. What was it? <laughs> you can't sleep. Have you ever been that way where you can't sleep? Yes. Right? What do you do when you can't sleep? You just lay there. <laughs> <laughs> Walk around from side to side. You get up and watch TV. In the old days, you read a book. The king said, oh, what am I going to do? I'm, I can't sleep. Might as well do something useful. Let's get the book out. I can read about my own accomplishments. So let's read because I can't sleep. That is what? What is that? That's God at work. You think it's hard to figure it out. God, he's got everything all figured out. So all I got to do is poke that cake. Time he sleeps, I'll poke him. I'll poke him until he can't sleep. So he can't sleep. Let's get up and read a book. Get one of the books. Here we go. Let's see what's in the book. Verse 2. And it was found written that Mordecai had told Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor and dignity has been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared. All right. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a great story. I love this story. So, he can't sleep, he's reading a book. 
in the record of the kingdom they find, hey, there was two guys who were your chamberlain. That means they worked directly for you. And they had a little plot. They were going to kill you while you were sitting by yourself one day. Mordecai found out about it, and he sent information that saved your life. Well, what did they do for him? They didn't do nothing. He saved your life, and nothing was ever done. Well, we're going to fix that tonight. Who's out in the court? Anybody? Haman. <laughs> so God is at work. Because Haman is doing the devil's work, right? Which is hang Mordecai. We're going to get him dead. I'm going to the king right now. Get his approval because he doesn't do what he's been running around sackcloth and he never bows when he's supposed to. So we're going to get rid of him. We're going to do it tonight. I got gals already. We're going to go ask the king. At the same time, while he's coming in the door, he's reading the book, God's at Work. And so it's all set up. The devil's work is coming in, God's work is working. Let's see. Who wins? Go get Haman. Let's talk to Haman. Verse 5. Is that great? He comes in. Well, he wants to honor somebody. It's got to be me. I'm magnificent. I'm wonderful. And the king loves me. So let's see. What should I say the king should do for me? Let's go on. what I would do to the man that deserves honor. Thinking it's him. And the king says, you're right. That's what we should do. Let's do that. Alright? And what will you go do it for Mordecai. Man, you couldn't have kicked him in the teeth any harder. Punched him in the gut. Oh, here he goes. Verse 11. 
So Haman got the robe and the horse, he rode Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house in the morning, and having said God. And Haman told Jairus, his wife, and all his friends, that everything that had befallen him, then said this wise man, and Jairus, his wife, unto him, if Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt truly fall before him. While they were yet talking with him, came the king, sorry, yes, the king's chamberlains, and hasted to bring him in onto the banquet of Esther and <laughs> There's a setup, man. You're done. You're done like dinner. Look what's happening. All right? He's leading his worst enemy around saying, This is a man the king honors. This is what the king does for people he honors. Talk about turning the tables, huh? Turning that thing around. And so Haman goes home and he's got advisors and they say, look, if you just led him around the city on a horse announcing that he's honored by the king and you were going to hang him, you ain't got a chance. You're not going to survive. So, just as they knock on the door, oh, by the way, the dinner's ready. Remember the first dinner was what? Well, this, no, this one was two nights in a row. The first dinner of the night before was, uh, we're going to have a dinner tomorrow. You and Haman and the king. Esther and Haman and the king. That's what I want, a dinner tomorrow. Okay. And the second, that night, God was at work keeping the king awake. And he's planning to hang Mordecai. He's building a 75-foot gallows. And getting ready to hang Mordecai. But God beat him to it. And the king blessed Mordecai. So, that's why she was beautiful. That's the reason she's alive. And you'd have thought, Haman's in charge. He can do anything. Him and the king are having a drink together. Let's kill the Jews. Okay, let's do it. Sign the law, we'll kill all the Jews. And God stepped in and stopped it. And now Haman's in serious trouble. He's going to supper tonight. And he is known now, because they're building a 75-foot gallows. You can't hide it, right? I think it's almost as high as our steeple. Our steeple is 95, 90 feet to the top. So 15 feet down, that's where he was going to hang Haman, or hang Mordecai. And so there it is. God used Esther to stop Haman, and he's about to go to dinner and see how it goes. Next week, you'll start to read that. So here's an essential thing. God's got a plan. God's at work. 
and you have a role to play. You have responsibility to do God's will. Esther put her life on the line and went in uninvited to the king. So if he didn't pick the scepter up, she's dead. She said, what did King, what did Mordecai say? This may be the reason you're even alive. Well, you've got to go in. And she went in. And it was. We find out now that it was the reason she was beautiful. There was a purpose for it. That's why she was queen to step in and save the Jews, which eventually, of course, leads to Jesus. He comes from the tribe of David, and he's born in Bethlehem, the city of David. So out of those saved Jews will come Jesus about 400 years later. He'll be born. And... That's possible because she did what she was supposed to do that night when she walked into the king. Could have gone either way, right? She could have died. She took her life in her hand and said, I will go in, try to stop it. What did the king say? You can have half the kingdom. You're gorgeous. I love you. I give you half of the kingdom if you ask for it. I don't want it. Just give me another dinner tomorrow night with Haman. <laughs> so, how would you like to be Haman? You're about to go off to dinner, and your workers are over there building a gallows for Mordecai, the man you just led around on a horse, announcing this is a great man. The king is honoring him. This is what the king does. And Mordecai is wearing the king's crown on his head. Wow. See, when you think you're something, like Haman did, when you think you're something, God's got a way of showing you you're nothing. You're nothing. You go against God you don't amount to nothing. You're nothing. I bet you he thought, I wish I hadn't built them gallows. Then I could have lied. And I could have said, Oh, I like him. Or I like Mordecai. He's okay. He could have lied. But you can't lie when you're building a gallows over there. He's caught in his own trap. It was a very fascinating story where God shows that there are things that we can do in our lives so that our life has purpose. So what do you think what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose might be? 
Have you ever thought about it? Why are you alive? What's your purpose? What's the reason you were born? I know because I'm an old man. I know why I was born now. And I can look back and I can begin to trace how I came to be in East Shelby. My father was born in Norway. And my father was part of a big family. Eight brothers and sisters and four cousins lived with him. So there was 12 kids that lived there. And they all ran around in the hills of Norway on the farm where they lived and played. All of them except for my father. When I asked them when I was over there, I said, well, where was he? They said he stood there looking at the chickens for hours. We had a bunch of chickens in the barn. And I went to the house, the barn there, where the house where my father was born, and the barn that was next to it, there's an old chicken coop. He sat there and watched chickens for hours. Because somehow, he was fascinated with birds. He just thought they were wonderful. He couldn't take his eyes off of birds. And so, they came to America and lived in Connecticut. They lived in New York City for a while. They moved to Connecticut. And they were all going to be farmers. My father was a terrible farmer. He went bankrupt. He was no good at it. So, he was in the post office one day and he saw a sign on the wall that says, you can work for the federal government on the National Wildlife Refuges. They're looking for people who have farming experience. And he said, I'm going to try that. And so he put his name in and he got accepted. And he got assigned to a refuge on Cape Cod. You know where Cape Cod is? Massachusetts, right on the ocean, a little hook in the state of Massachusetts is Cape, called Cape Cod. And he was assigned to a refuge out there on Cape Cod with the rule that for the first year you're under probation. That's kind of common. You work at a job and they say, we're going to check you out for a year, make sure you do what you're supposed to. So the first year he was on probation. So anything that they asked him to do, he had to do. So he's there almost a year. And just before it was a year, they said, we're going to transfer you to a different refuge. And where do you think it was? This one right over here. Iroquois Wildlife Refuge. They said, we're going to transfer you. You can't say no because you're on probation. So you're going to get transferred out to western New York so you can be the beginning of a new refuge out there. So he got transferred out here. Because he loved birds, he wanted to be on a refuge where they take care of birds. And so when he was seven years old, his love for birds started. 
His love for birds got him on the wildlife refuge, and God transferred him to western New York in 1958. One year later, 1959, that church closed. And a little red-haired boy lived five miles from this church over there. That was me. And I got here a year after this church was closed and abandoned. And so I was living in western New York, five miles from this church. God got me here because my father liked birds. See how that works? So God had a plan, see? Got to get Eric to western New York. And they're never going to move there unless I force them to go there. Because all their family was in Connecticut. My father's parents and my mother's whole family lived in Connecticut. They would have never left there except for my father was forced by the government to come here. And so he used to say, oh, I don't like western New York. When the church started, he said, now I know why I came out here. So Eric could be here to open the church. See how it works? God's got this figured out. And he's moving people around. And he's getting people ready to do what he wants them to do. Somewhere in his plan, what he wants to do, there's something for you to do. You got something to do. You say, well, I don't want to be a pastor. No, I may not be that. It'll be something else. But God's got something for you to do. And when you find out, it'll make you happier than anything in your whole life you've ever done. Say, Eric, are you happy? I'm having the time of my life. I love it. I wouldn't trade this for anything. Doing what God wants is the happiest thing you'll ever do. So Esther found out that night, right? She realized, I'm here to save the Jewish people. And she went in and took her life in her hand and did it. Next week, Haman <laughs> gives his comeuppance or he's about to see what's going to happen to him.